2: Hello everyone and welcome to the show. Mike Pingleton here and I am your host for these proceedings. Here we go with episode 92 and I hope you all remain safe and healthy out there. I want to wish you all a wonderful holiday season and a prosperous new year and uh, let there be peace for everyone in the days ahead. So I'm happy to squeeze in one more episode before the end of 2023 and I think it's a good one. Uh, But before we get to it, I want to thank all of the folks who support the show and keep it moving forward. I say it often, and I sincerely mean it. I really appreciate everyone's contributions, and I don't think we could get to this point without you all. This episode comes out of a herping trip I made to South Texas earlier this year. I almost always pack along my field recording kit, and I wasn't very far along into the trip when I could kind of see the shape of an episode in my mind. So on the last night before heading home, I sat down with Eric McCormick and Kyle Elmore and Clint Guadiana to record this. And, you know, listening in post-production, I can hear how tired I was. It just definitely wiped out and uh, not at the top of my game, but it is what it is. Uh, uh, But before we get to it, I want to give a shout out to John Edward and Isaac Smith, Braden Alexander and Tim Burkhart. Uh, I really enjoyed hanging out with you guys and uh, herping with you all down there in Texas. We also have some guest appearances from Butters and Cholula, a pair of basset hounds, and uh, also some uh, rescued doves in the broadcast to, to boot. Um, you know, just a little additional local flavor, which I kind of like. Uh, but let's get to the episode. Okay, it looks like we're recording. Well, hello everybody. Uh, welcome back to the show and. Uh, I am coming to you from an undisclosed location in South Texas. Undisclosed location, undisclosed time. I, uh, I'm sitting here at the at the table, just finished a nice dinner, and I'm sitting here with my friend Eric McCormick, who's at Radio Left. How you doing? Pretty good. Good. Good day. Good meal? Yep. Okay. Across the table from me is Kyle Elmore. Welcome to the show, Kyle. Hey, thank you for having me, Mike. Very good. And to radio right is Clint Guadiana. Welcome to the show, Clint. Thank you. Welcome to my house. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, And uh, under the table, I have two large basset hounds who are making all kinds of weird noises. Uh, I don't know how they're... What kind of noises where these noises are coming from, but I, I, if you hear that on the, that's, we're going to blame everything on the bass and hounds. So, uh, and, and uh as the the birds, one is there's also do. a bird cage in the corner so that we can blame some of the other noises that might come out of my guests on, on the birds as well. So now that I set the scene and at the table, uh, we are here at the end of a very long day, uh, where we traveled around the countryside flipping tin, And that is what we were talking about today. Flipping tin. So, Welcome to the show, guys, and thanks for uh, sitting down and talking to me. Uh, we're all tired, and uh, Kyle, yeah, I know you have to get into the car and go home very yes. quickly, so I appreciate you. <laughs> yeah, long around. drive ahead. Yeah, yeah, and you don't live down here, but you come down here quite often. Yeah. Okay, and uh, Clint, you do live down here, and Eric, you live in New Mexico, so everybody's got to go home tomorrow. Today, uh, Kyle and uh, Eric and I go home tomorrow, and, uh, and Clint gets a little bit of rest, so... Um, but uh we're in the car today and talking about some things about flipping tin uh where i where i come from we don't flip a lot of tin we don't number one we don't have any because our farmers are really neat and tidy in illinois and if if their tin if their barn blows down they immediately pick it up and you know you can't get tin and uh or people pick up your tin and scrap it up there so we don't really have that kind of situation so coming down here coming down here in different times of the year then i would flip tin in Central Illinois, so that's also different. Uh, uh, so I wanted to talk to you about the, what we some of the things we talked about today in more detail because it's it's fascinating. People think, well, you just go out and, and you uh, lift this thing up, and maybe there's a snake under it or something other, uh, some other herp, or maybe not. So it's it's kind of a, a crapshoot. But there's a lot more to it. and You guys really opened my eyes just to exactly how much there is to it. And I don't know if you feel the same way about that, Eric.
0: Yeah. yeah um, I'm coming down for a few years now and, uh, it's always interesting all the different, like, I guess the different things that I learn. it's not just simple. Oh, this, like how you said, flip 10, hope to find a snake. It's, there's actually a lot that goes into it. Yeah. I learned that today.
2: Yeah. And so, um, well, first of all, let's talk, let's, let's start here. Uh, Kyle, um, we kind of fame is uh, one of your claims to fame is your YouTube <laughs> channel. Uh, which you, let's talk about that just a little bit. Okay.
1: I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't call it a claim to fame, uh, in any regard, but, uh, yeah, so I do have a YouTube channel and basically what I do is I wear a GoPro where I record, uh, action as it happens. And, uh, and I like to record the clips and get what I call flip clips. Uh, so basically, you know, we're just flipping over stuff and we get that uh, exciting in the moment uh, experience, you know, and I, and I like to, uh, give the viewership that opportunity, you know, to essentially kind of, uh, discover the animals as I do, because I don't know what's going to happen. They don't know what's going to happen. And they get that, that reveal at the same time. And, you know, kind of, uh, maybe some of my emotions come through and really get them excited and, and, uh, maybe wanting some of that experience for themselves.
2: And I saw that today and the name of your, your channel is, is pop milk, pop milk, right? Yeah. Very good. And Clint, you also have posted some, uh, YouTube clips, sort of the same sort of thing, right?
3: Uh, yeah, by no means to the extent that Kyle has. I just have a few videos, but my channel is called Much Ado About Herping. Uh, but yeah, I haven't done much with it. I may in the future, but right now I'm not.
2: Okay. But I've seen some of your clips and I, I've really enjoyed it, especially the uh, the Christmas clip, mm-hmm. uh, which was uh, <laughs> to describe a little bit in detail what what that was about. Yeah. So that was
3: bizarre. One of the craziest flips I've ever had down here, but the, a fellow that was visiting down here had found a couple cat eyed snakes. Um, that is a specialty snake down here that people travel all over the world to hope to see down here. And, uh, so he flipped a couple and I was getting off work. So I'm like, well, I'll go see if I could find some under the, you know, that same stack of tin he found his. And I go, I go and, uh, There is seven cat-eyed snakes under this one stack of 10. It was just bizarre. I think it was one female and six males all having a party. Okay. And uh, and so, yeah. So
2: that was crazy. That was a crazy flip. Yeah. Yeah. Merry Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Yeah, 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 that was a great, great video. And uh, I've enjoyed, uh, Kyle, I've enjoyed your... Videos as well. You do some great stuff with that, and uh, encourage everybody to check these these two channels out because they're they're a lot of fun. And it, it it is the essence of what we did today. Yes, which was go around and and lift things and look underneath them. Um, and but uh, you know, where you live in in New Mexico, you don't really put tin out. Uh, it, it it's not very. It isn't, does it work well for you? And where you live, or
0: so <clears throat> I've only happened to come across like some random tin. Um, I I remember I flipped like the end of March, early April, and I found a couple things, but there's like such a small window. And then again, like today I found out there's actually like a science behind it. You know, I just flip a single sheet of tin that's been in the sun and maybe you get a coach flip, you know, it's just, it's just really hot, you know, dry New Mexico, it's, it's, it's just way different than, than down here.
2: Well, let's get into this, some of the science of this.
1: So, yeah, I want to kind of expand on that because uh, there's actually uh, some people who uh, take a little bit of inspiration from what, what I do and kind of the design that I have on on Stacking 10 uh, who have done this in Arizona and have, have had success flipping king snakes doing that. You know, they've kind of identified the right area. And exactly where to put it, and they've got a stack of tin, you know, and like the design that I I really like to employ down here, and uh, they've been able to have success flipping snakes with it.
2: Cool. Okay, oh, I didn't realize that. Well, it also occurs to me when you're talking that we we should probably talk about what I mean, the very base level. Um, nothing we flip is made of tin anymore. No, <laughs> uh, tin is just a leftover word. Back from the days when it was actually a metal that might be used to make a, a roof, uh, uh, it a, just a you know a section of metal that was part of the roof was made of some tin alloy, but not anymore. They're they're made of corrugated uh, corrugated we had steel, or steel. Yeah. Or, yeah. So the tin that we're talking about now is um, different material, right? Okay. What In it, general, it's just roofing material, right? Roo- roofing yeah. sheet metal, and mostly it is like what we call corrugated. So it has you know. Either a wavy, a wavy shape to it, or it has a, a flat design with some things that come up and you know, uh, not not, c, not square, but c crimp,
3: I think is what it's called, c crimp. Yeah, yeah,
2: that's that more, you know,
3: with the big, I don't know what you call them, but
2: yeah, like you see a it kind modern of ridges metal ridges, wood. and you yeah. usually have like four or five
3: ridges across the sheet. Yeah,
2: yeah. So that's what that's what we're talking about. When we talk about tin, and it's funny that we've we've it's still the best word, maybe. Yeah. After all these years. Oh, it's so
1: much easier to say that than roofing metal, right?
2: It's just, <laughs> tin just rolls off the lips. Yeah. And as we'll get into, the word tin offers you guys uh, uh, just a it's just a rich field uh, of uh, jargon for you guys to, to to plop into this. And we'll get into that a little bit as we yeah. go along here. Uh, so yeah, um, so it's not just I uh, take a piece of tin out into a field. Give it the old heave haul off the back of the truck and hope for the best. There's much more to this process, right? So tell me more. You guys tell me more about this process.
3: Yeah, the process just, it's it's kind of no different than any other herping. You try to identify the hap- proper habitat for that species you want. And then there's a certain way you set the 10 that we think is the best. It may not be. Maybe someone has a better method, but it's worked well for us It's based on experience. And then you have to let that thing season for a little bit. We call it seasoning. Uh, it takes anywhere from three, six months, even more longer, the better that it's sitting out in the field. Uh, sometimes we will set it in, you know, maybe spring and then not flip it again till fall or in the next spring possibly.
2: So when we say seasoning, um, this is to allow snakes to discover, Right, so
1: so you want the so you, you know as, as I was telling you earlier today, Mike. You know I think of uh, Hi, the snakes that are. Oh, hang on a second.
2: I have a bass and hound named Cholula who's wanting to be really friendly with me.
1: <laughs> good. She likes you. All right, Cholula, good girl. All
2: right.
1: Uh, so so as I was I was talking to you about earlier today, you know you have. Essentially two different kinds of snakes that are using your tent at any given time. You have transients and you have residents. You have transients who will come in there, you know, even, you know, two weeks later, uh, who may use it briefly to shelter overnight and then move on. You know, they've discovered it in that moment. Maybe, uh,
2: maybe to shed their skin or something. Too. Yeah,
1: maybe they want to, uh, you know, maybe it's going to be cold that night and they want to use it uh, as a place to shelter uh, maybe they want to shed their skin because it offers a higher humidity environment and also extra warmth. Uh, maybe they need to, uh, digest a meal, you know, and they need that increased heat for higher metabolism so that they can do that. Uh, so you have those transient animals that are going to pass through and they're going to use that. And I think, uh, in the spring we see a lot of those, right? You see a lot of snakes who've been out moving, they stay under something for the night and then they're, you know, going about at some point the next day, um. But then you also have residents, and I think this is you know where that seasoning really helps. is you have animals that will come back to that tin, and as long as you know they still fit it and it fits the conditions that they want, they will continue to use that uh, essentially as a home for all of those different needs. Whether it's digestion, um, general thermoregulation, shedding skin, um, that kind of stuff,
3: even laying eggs. Like you can find possibly you know snakes laying eggs or or having their babies inside the sheets of tin. Uh, So it's a full cycle. Okay.
2: And uh, you guys, um, we talk about the proper habitat and seasoning, but you also, you rarely put down a single sheet. So let's talk about the layering technique that you guys use. Well, that's,
3: yeah, I mean, that's also our region, right? It's very hot. So single sheets rarely produce anything. I know further up north, maybe where you are, single sheets could produce something. But down here, you need some layers for sure. Yeah. So the
2: layers provide like a thermal, uh, I don't want to say a barrier, a but gradient. like a, a, gr- a gradient. Yeah, yeah. A thermal so, gradient.
3: Yeah, so you
1: have like cooler temperatures on the bottom and hotter temperatures on top. Um, and I think down here especially, it's important to have uh, that stacking method because if you have a single sheet, uh, one, it doesn't weigh much, right? So there's not a lot of way to that tend to help lock in moisture that might be under it. So it's easy for that, uh, moisture to escape in this very arid uh, environment.
2: So in, in, essentially you want to create a, a, a moist, dark microclimate. Yeah,
1: yeah, okay. exactly. Yeah. Okay. So moist, dark microclimate, and you want to provide them opportunities to move up and down and, and uh, what you're doing is you're really opening that window, you know, that could be, you know, Yeah, a single sheet may work under the right atmospheric conditions, right? But we want to open that window and widen it to the point that uh, when we're able to come down and look for snakes, that we can actually find the animals that we want.
2: Okay. Um, And the other thing I noticed today, too, is you guys, I call it zippering. Excuse me. I call it zippering. You guys, uh, you lay one, one 10 goes down this way, or, or, you know, let's say towards noon and one then the other 10 gets laid down from six o'clock you know yeah so from opposite so you like three three and nine yeah yeah
1: yeah yeah. it's it's hard to describe it but essentially you have at the base layer you have two sheets of 10 that overlap about a foot in the middle Right. Yes. So you also on the ground you have you know both sheets are touching but there's a little bit of overlap and then you keep that going you know throughout the whole stack to about seven
3: layers or so. Okay. Yeah, we've we've seen that that method really locks in locks in moisture a little better too. So I've flipped ones that are just you know kind of (laughs) uniforms stacked uh, right next to the we call stackazine by the way that method
0: (laughs) stackazine yeah
3: the stackazine. And uh, the stachazine will have uh, water, almost standing water in between the layers, whereas the one that's just set kind of flat and uniform with each other uh, is dry,
2: bone dry. Okay. So you just, it's a way to catch and retain moisture. Yeah. Especially in dry times. Okay. Wow. Okay. Um, So that, I thought that was very interesting uh, to see that. And and I, you know, Eric, you're familiar with that too, but it, it occurred to me that You guys put a lot of thought into what you, you know, number one, what you want to see under the board and we can talk about some of the things that you want to see under the boards, but, uh, also just, you're also, it's not just the idea that, uh, I, I'm creating something that helps me find snakes, but it's also maybe creating a little home for somebody to, to hang out maybe for, you know, more than a season.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, cause uh, we've seen a lot of fidelity of snakes to certain uh, stacks of tin that we've set out, you know, and getting to see that animal over and over again and getting to see that it's getting uh, a big benefit from that tin because it k- keeps going back to it, right? It makes that a home. And uh, that's a really satisfying experience when you get to get to see the animals. Well, I think that.
2: one of the, one of the indigo snakes we found today, I think, did you not guys, did you guys not yep. indicate it? it was some a snake you had
3: seen before? Yeah, most likely. That yeah, that one that we had got out basking uh, was probably one we had flipped multiple times before, and it was very close to the stack of ten we had flipped it before. But this time he was out uh, basking in the morning.
0: Okay,
2: which is pretty cool. Oh yeah, pretty darn cool.
3: Yeah, NC two and it usually indigos. We, we call them go goes because you see them and they're they're gone. You got it. You got to really go for for them if you want them. And um, and so this one luckily was just. NC2 just basking. And I ran right up on it and it stayed right there, which is pretty rare. Yeah, that was cool.
2: So let's talk about what else, what are we putting tin out for? What are we expecting to find under tin? Uh,
1: so, you know, as the name pop milk implies is we're, we're looking for milk snakes. You know, that's our biggest uh, target. And I think, you know, it stems from a couple of reasons. You know, one, it's just such a, a beautiful, flashy snake. And, you know, when you get that under 10, especially once you've been searching for it for a while, you know, you flip in a lot of stuff to find one of these. And, uh, you know, when you get it, it's, it's, it's a real pop, you know, you get that uh, satisfaction, that experience, you know, that bright flash of color. Uh, It's a rush, unlike, you know, many of the others, you know, because you have that uh, usual expectations, like, oh, it's a rat snake, it's a patch nose, you know, it's, it's an indigo snake, you know, it it starts to become more routine. And then when it's uh, that much more difficult animal that, you know, doesn't pop up under everything. You have to have these very special conditions in order to get it to use the tin in the first place. Uh, you know, it just, it, it creates such a
2: rush that we, we just love to do it over and over and over again. And uh, I, I'm not just speaking for myself, but uh, we found a couple milk snakes today and the second one was a really nice, large, colorful adult milk and, and just on point. Yes, and I just have had my camera ready as we're unstacking your what do you call the what do you call it? stackazine? You're unstacking your stackazine. I have my camera, all, my iPhone camera, all ready to go. And layer comes up, and I'm like, click, click. Oh my gosh! And everybody's just <laughs> kind of like losing their yeah, minds. Yeah, we lost our nope. minds for for um, a little bit there. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I know you get you have some of that uh, recorded, so uh, I, I know you got my big mouth in there making making. <laughs> Jubilant noises of, of triumphs. So. Yeah. yeah, that's the best
1: part, you know, when you can get to, to hear everybody's reaction. Because, you know, we're all so excited to finally get that that release of finding that animal and seeing it there in the 10. And, uh, yeah, there's a lot
2: of jubilation involved in that. And, Eric, I, I think maybe you you have a different snake you
0: would say was your favorite snake other than maybe the milks. I think my favorite, I, I would say snakes down here are still like indigo's. Um, they're just they're just awesome snakes and definitely milk snakes but I also really like the the whip snakes down here um you got the roof fins and the shots and and those are real cool man speckled racers are are nice i mean you really can't go wrong with any of the snakes down here so
2: yeah i there's something about the indigos now today we got um three indigos um including a a a neonate, I would call it a neonate, uh, or a, yeah, a year young it's, of the year, yeah. I think it's normally uh, probably hatch in August, okay. August, yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah, so sort of so, neonate, but anyway, uh, that's the smallest indigo I've ever seen, which was pretty awesome. That was an awesome experience, but we also got one that was, uh, it still had bits of shed sticking on, and as as harpers do, everybody sits around and Holds the snake and then <clears throat> helps it peel off the the remaining bits of shed. Mm-hmm. And that snake, once once it had the shed skin off of it, all the little bits that <clears throat> that had sticking to it, that snake was was so gorgeous. And mm-hmm. just holding that snake for a little bit, admiring it. Uh, it it it's uh, you talk about the moment of flipping and, and discovery is one thing, but it's also just the, the yeah ability to. to you can't do this in Florida, folks. You can't pick up an indigo <laughs> snake in Florida and, and do this at, like you can in Texas. So you get to hold it and just admire it. And it was just like, yes, this is exactly what I drove 20 hours to see. Um, it, it's worthwhile. And, and it, it kind of rejuvenates how you know how you feel about herping. And, and, and that's just to have that moment with, the, with these animals. And they're beautiful. And maybe you take some pictures. Maybe you just hang on to the snake for a little while. Yeah, just
1: enjoy it. It's a really satiating experience. You know, you get to, I don't know, it it fills you. You know, you get to enjoy that animal, hold it, see it, appreciate its beauty, and uh, and the moment that you get to share with it, you know, because you get a short, short window of its life that you get to share briefly with it. And then maybe you get to see it again, maybe you don't, but, you know, it feels very special when you get to, especially, uh, you know, something like an indigo snake, which is just, you know, as many as we've seen at this point, they're uh, incredible animals. and and just always a joy to find them and appreciate them and watch them. Yeah.
2: I I think that was my big moment for the day. Mm -hmm. Just, you know, like, oh yeah, this is why I do this. You know, sometimes we get tired. There's a lot of BS and the Harper world. And sometimes it just gets a little annoying, but then you go out in the field and you find something cool and it's like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. This is why I, this is why I don't build chips in a bottle or (laughs) collect stamps. (laughs) But Clint, you also dropped something today that kind of, uh, caught my attention too. You're talking about how many Indigos you've seen. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so talk a little bit about, about that.
3: Yeah. So I was talking about my observations on INAT and I I'm pushing 75 Indigos that I've seen so far. Uh, some of those have been, you know, just, just DORs or they've been, uh, you know, flipped or hiked, whatever. But, but yeah, saw a lot of them. I mean, I, I have the benefit of living down here, mm-hmm. so Indigos are kind of those one of those animals most of the time, at least most of the year, you kind of just happen upon them. It's really hard to target them. And it's usually when you're looking for something else and they just pop up. And every time it happens, it's amazing. But uh, kind of different times of year, you can target them mainly by flipping. And okay. uh, that's where we're at now. And that's why we got those three today. And uh, so, yeah. So 75 indigos.
2: <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm losing my voice was That was, be- that was
3: before I started counting actually what so i may have close to 100 i don't know
2: okay (laughs) so let me do the math here um if 100 indigos let's say their average is four feet that's 400 feet of indigo (laughs) (laughs) yep yeah i mean picture that out on your street out here (laughs) yeah
3: stretched out for sure yeah uh and they (laughs) They all range in size. To see true giant ones down here is pretty rare. I see one over five and over six, maybe once or twice a year. That's about it. Um, They definitely get big. I think the biggest one I've found was about, I estimate about six foot four inches. uh, But that was the last one I saw that was a true giant down here. So I don't know if they're disappearing or they're just not that common at that size. Usually adults down here... Four to five feet would be a big adult
2: most of the time. Yeah. Whatever the size, they're robust. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. And I mentioned today too, that I always felt like indigos and snakes like indigos in that genus. Uh, and there's some other snakes like that. I think too, like, you know, of course, cobras and water, co- false water cobras. They just seem to have more muscles than other snakes. You know, they've got extra, they've just got extra bulk and extra musculature, you know, uh, it, that's what it seems like to me anyway. yeah so uh, other things we find other you, uh, uh, Eric you mentioned uh, the, the racers too, but that we we seem to find those under ten uh, fairly commonly too. Today we we um, we do we get some racers under ten or not? You, you mean whip snakes? I'm sorry, whip snakes under oh. ten. Yeah, uh, yeah, we got a we couple get, of rufins uh, whip snakes today. As rufins, well. rufins, yeah, yep. which are I think my favorite whip snake. Yeah, um, they're only in
3: three counties in the United States. Yeah, so pretty and, rare when you count that that uh, range size for the states
2: and they're gorgeous oh yeah it's a beautiful greenish greenish color that uh, just blows my mind
3: yeah so. very underrated snakes and, and a lot of people come down here you know for speckled racers indigos cat-eyed snakes but that's a real rarity in the United States and, and a lot of people forget about those guys
2: makes me happy to see them yeah yeah so let's let's talk about um, one of the other things I noticed hanging out with you guys today. And one of the reasons like, oh, I really need to sit down and, and, and just make these guys talk to me. Uh, it probably wasn't that hard, but anyway. Uh, <laughs> one of the things that's fascinated me is the, the, the jargon. Like the, this, what did you call the stacking again? The uh, stackazine. Stackazine. Uh, registered <laughs> trademark. Registered. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, things like that. But you also you, you have different places where you have 10 and, or 10 sites that you regularly go to. And each of those has a unique name. and and it's not site 2a uh you don't you don't (laughs) you don't number them uh like they do windmills down here like with you know uh today we were under a windmill it was you know whatever it was had a had a number on it but uh so you don't do it that you give each site uh some uh, uniqueness to it which i find hilarious in in some (laughs) respects so give me a Give me a let's see we well, let's see if i can remember some of these we went to today we went to uh one was uh hop and pop uh which is just a quick uh, <laughs> if you get me wrong it's just a quick little spot you just yes. stop hop, you hop over a little fence <laughs> and maybe
1: you pop maybe you don't pop or don't <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah it's a
2: it was a play on the hop on pop uh,
3: dr seuss books yeah yeah yeah
2: yeah yeah so you have the hop and pop, and there was the double rubble. Yeah, which is tell me about double rubble. Yeah, that's two two sites that have rubble. It's just
3: like you know, I, I don't want to say junk, but it's abandoned stuff that we flip. So just two yeah, sites, two right of next to
1: one stop. There's two sites right next to each other. Okay, yeah.
3: give me another one. That we went to. Tin Cognito. Yeah, I was just thinking
2: of that one. <laughs> yeah. Tincognito. Cog- yeah.
3: yeah, good luck finding that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, that started because, um, you know, unfortunately, as much as we try to keep our sites a secret, uh, some people have kind of sniffed it out. And, uh, and some people maybe not are the most ethical people, and they may not put the tin back properly, and they could possibly mess up sites. And so this Tin Cognito one is hidden very well. And uh, you saw like some of those stacks we were flipping were completely covered with something. I painted all the tin the stacks, camouflage colors, and uh, it's just well-hidden, and we want to keep it that way. And that's why it's
2: called Tin Cognito. And it, you really can't see these from space like some tin stacks. Yeah. <laughs> They're very well-hidden. So, okay. That was good one. Tin Cognito. And give me another one. What else we say? Uh, we've got Land of the Giants. Land of the Giants. Now, mm-hmm. this, this may be... Perhaps. Hey, we we saw giant atrix. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, so tell me, uh, tell me again, guys. Tell tell the listeners why it's called land of the giants.
1: Uh, We've found very, very many big snakes there, and lots of different species. So, uh, you know, Clint, you've got a, a giant uh, salvadora, a big uh, mm-hmm. patch nose snake. Um, one of the first couple of big snakes that we got there was a big coach whip. It had to have been six six and, six, and a half feet, six long.
3: feet. But you know, usually coach whips are you know, thin and whippy, but this thing was thick. Thick. It was a big, big, big coach. Uh, Tumescent as Mike. Tumescent. (laughs) (laughs) Girthy.
2: Girthy. And
1: and, and under under that same uh, piece of fiberglass was actually a large rat snake too, about a five and a half foot long rat snake. Yes. Equally thick. Yeah. And uh, that was impressive. And we found uh, some very large indigo snakes there, uh, nearly seven foot bull snake couple of almost six you know five six foot eight rocks.
2: so for whatever reason the snakes it's you do find there are, th- are th- yeah, massive just and a prime giants. habitat yeah, yeah. Three, and, so there th- must be a three lot of food
3: milk. including a, a near record size conio a black striped snake yeah okay so it's well. not
2: just the bigger snakes
3: that you're finding even the small forest yeah all, are giant all the snakes there. there are big okay yeah we don't know why that is i think it's just absolute prime habitat and conditions there
2: okay and today we saw a huge A-trax. Mm-hmm. How yes. big was the A-trax
0: today? Like pushing five
2: feet, five I would feet? say. Yeah, It was, it was big. Ooh, big, gnarly.
0: Yeah. yeah.
2: The, it was in the grass. that We didn't flip it. it was, yeah, this one. Yeah, it was just... Next to some flip, flippage, as they say. Flippage?
0: Flippage. Okay. <laughs>
2: yeah. uh, some yeah. stackazines. But that <laughs> was an impressive snake. Yeah. Holy cow. Okay. Yeah, so that uh, that was another great site, Land of the Giants. The last time I was down here, we went to Land of the Giants and got some huge patch nose snakes too, which was, I mean, big big snakes, uh, yeah. not just the little you know eighteen inch long. We guys. got that big atrox too, the last time
3: as well. This, oh, do they, yeah, yeah. Do You think it was the same? I style? don't know if it's the same one, but it was equally as big, as same well. class. Oh yeah,
2: yeah, for sure. Yeah. Okay, yeah, and you see those in the grass. And uh, here's the thing too: I've, every one of us, I don't care whether you admit it or not. We, this thing was in the high grass. It was out basking, and uh, one of our uh, part, one of our guys that was out with us today spotted it, and uh, immediately uh, I don't want to walk in the high grass anymore. Like, <laughs> yeah. where's the? And it where's... wasn't just like down in the. High, it was like on the high yeah. grass
1: too. You know, yeah. so if you got next to it, you know, it had a lot of uh, a lot of elevation to to get you
2: where it wanted, and, and you definitely didn't want to be good.
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah.
2: So we're all looking around like, where's the other one? There's got to be another one.
0: (laughs) Now no one wanted to be in front anymore.
2: (laughs) Yeah, we told Eric to go in the front. (laughs) (laughs) That was a great site. So um, yeah, Land of the Giants. uh, Very, very cool. And I just just love the way these names. uh, You guys have really done a good job with this. The other one we went to was uh, a place where uh, some milk snakes have showed up. And that one is called... Uh, with with the pad or what with the, uh, the
1: milk pad, is, is that the milk? Is that pad? What is called milk we pad? We this morning, yeah. okay. got stuck milk pad.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Yes, that did happen. We did get stuck. Uh, <laughs> there was a lot of rain, and uh, the truck got the tires looked like donuts. Like was, <laughs> everything was on the tire, but sprinkles, you know, it's yeah. it just, yeah, well, it got stuck there. But yeah, so that was another. another the milk pad was another place where you uh, could reliably find some of, of the, uh, let's get the right uh, snake too. It's the toma leap and milk snake, right? Mm-hmm. Lampropeltis, uh, Annulata. Yeah. Wow. So, uh, that was, that was a cool spot. And, uh, another one. And, uh, that it comes up is has got a different name. It, it doesn't have a pun name like on tin or anything. But it's just called Crazy Eye. Yeah, <laughs> Crazy Eye.
1: Yeah, so maybe you should maybe relay some of the the stories of Crazy Eye. It you know, is yeah, the, the
3: namesake. I crazy Eye is a name of a horse. Okay, <laughs> we we gave this. We gave, gave this. Name. We don't know his yeah. real name, yeah. uh, but he uh, he literally has crazy eyes. Like we, I found this spot and I, and I thought this was a friendly horse and for the most part it is, but it came up and it has one eye pointing to the left, one eye pointing maybe to the sky. (laughs) (laughs) And they're very like intensely blue. Yeah. Weird looking, And they're like
2: twice the size of normal horse's eyes.
3: (laughs) I swear.
0: And
2: anyway. I've seen this horse and I, I'm inclined to agree. Yeah. It's a definite, uh, definitely a noticeable feature on this animal. (laughs) Anyways, but then he has a, a knack
3: for just sneaking up on you as well. Like could just be flipping 10 and you turn around he's like right in your face and so, so. Yeah, so he shows that he's not there every time, but he comes and joins us when we flip there. And uh, one time he almost trampled Brian Hughes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he got it Brian Hughes' way. He, that horse was a little overstimulated with eight people in his pin. And uh, and yeah, he took off running straight towards Brian. And I've never seen Brian move so fast. Uh, me neither. I was there for it, and um, it was amazing. Uh,
2: yeah, The man is quick when he needs to be. So.
3: Yeah, he had his snake hook in, in his hand, too is about to whack that
2: thing. <laughs> I don't think you want to whack that horse. I think you just want to, I don't know, give it an apple or something. <laughs> that horse will get revenge. <laughs> but it has definitely got that weird cocked eye thing going. And it just kind of, kind of you see the horse and you don't know where it's looking. Is it looking at me? Is it looking? <laughs> what is? It? No. He's looking through you. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So, yeah, it's a bit unnerving. So, that's just a great name for another
3: great spot there. So, Uh, (laughs) false pretenses. (laughs) Yeah, false pretenses. We also have uh, Tenception. Yeah. Flip within a
2: flip. Yeah. Yeah.
3: (laughs) There's all kinds of stuff. It's also an easy way to just talk about it, right? Because it would be really hard to just describe all these spots. Site
2: 67A. Yeah. Well,
3: (laughs) Well, that's 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 terribly boring, but,
1: you know, (laughs) (laughs) do do names like that. But uh, also, you know, it's just communication because, you know, I think we just got tired of... Uh, constantly trying to describe a place, you know, kind of be like, oh, I'm adding stuff here. And it's like, well, where, you know, and like instead of sending a pin or whatever, it's just like, oh, well, you know, we did this at Crazy Eye. So then now I know exactly where he's talking about and, uh, you know, kind of keep up with stuff that way.
2: Okay. And, and it's, it's worth mentioning too, you talk about, you know, adding adding tin and moving tin around stuff. Um, it's, it's not a set it and forget it type thing because uh it, tin can be transient right uh it can blow away in the wind um the uh it could uh, be moved by somebody uh like a, a, the scrappers come and get tin right uh or uh, you know maybe it's on uh ranch land that gets developed or something so tin comes and goes and you guys have to keep on top of it in order to keep your
1: yeah. Your, well, the environment also changes, you know, as you saw today, you know, like we had to bring out the loppers and really kind of clear out some stuff to gain access to some of these sheets of tin. Because yeah. it's been, you know, a while since we flipped it and we've had, you know, seasons to come through and uh, change the environment. You know, stuff can really grow down, grow fast down here when uh, when it's got the right conditions for
2: it. And you like you guys say, you season the, the tin. So you, you set it and you, you do forget it for a little while. You just let it be. Mm-hmm. And then uh, come back the next year or the next maybe the next season and and then do something with it. but I also noticed too that uh, one of the things you do is throw you throw some dirt and grass uh, you know on each layer and you call that seasoning as well, which I thought was kind of funny. yeah, I think I made a cooking show reference to that, but <laughs> I think that was,
3: yeah. yeah, we also clear and I don't know if this is necessary for all places, but down here we also like to clear the debris and grass and things like that before we set the stacks.
2: So you take it down like bare soil.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I think that just speeds up the seasoning for sure. Cause, cause otherwise the grass would have to die underneath it. And then that delays it a little and bit. And some
1: of that grass, like it can take forever. Like some of the flips that we did are, you know, some naturally occurring, you know, from a barn falling and, you know, some of the tin getting spread out. And uh, if you don't clear that grass out, that dead grass can stay there for years, you know, and you created this big gap that, you know, it, uh, the humidity gets sucked out really easily and it just isn't uh, ideal for especially fossorial snakes that we're trying to find, you know, they don't want to be in that kind of stuff.
2: Okay. All right. What else can we find under 10 then?
3: I mean, there's all
1: kinds we, of,
2: we got something really unique under 10 today.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah. The first time I've ever flipped this under 10, but okay. Well, go ahead and tell, go ahead and tell, tell what sure. we got. Uh, we got a tiger salamander. Yeah. It was probably
1: the most exciting, uh, flip of the day. And um, it was right next to a cistern that maybe, you know, maybe the increased moisture from that cistern, uh, you know, was attractive to that salamander. You know, they're in the area, uh, and but we've never, I mean, I've seen one crossing a road, but uh, I've never flipped
2: one. It was the last thing I would have expected to see undercover. Beautiful. So it's uh, Ambistoma mavordium. It's the... Mm-hmm. Whatever the common name is for that, I forget. Yeah, a barred tiger. Barred soliman.
3: tiger. Yeah. Tiger yeah. salamander. And that. I know that may not sound exciting to some of your listeners because there are a dime a dozen in certain regions, but down here they're super rare. It's been I've been here thirteen years, and that's only the second one I've ever found. That's amazing. Yeah, and, and to find it under a, a, a stack of a stack like of t- six <laughs> or seven sheets where we would expect snakes was bizarre.
2: Yeah, it was funny because everybody was just was just shocked <laughs> and,
3: and yeah is this real no one knew what to
2: well, do somebody <laughs> said salamander and I just
1: didn't it like what I thought
2: salamander. they like saw
3: like colors of a salamander and thought that it was but it was like maybe a cat eyed snake which same
2: colors but nope nope all the way at the bottom of the country tiger salamander <laughs> so I, there wasn't anybody that wasn't amazed by that because of you know we, you, it's just not an animal you think of down here because you know it's hot and dry most mm-hmm. of the year these things are underground most of the year uh, maybe they hang on around cattle tanks and things like that may have a more active more active uh, period but uh you know it's a tough life for a salamander down here
1: yeah yeah especially in you know as dry as this area can get and i think that also is kind of a testament to the method that we use to you know stack the tin right you know stacking it in a way that really locks in that humidity and kind of expands that window uh you know where conditions are good for stuff to be under it and here even a salamander that doesn't want to dry out it doesn't want to you know be too hot you know it can get into the right spot for it and i think it was actually in one of the was it in one of the layers i couldn't sort of it i'd have to go back i I had placed that
3: that plastic piece of stuff at the very bottom so it was in between the last sheet of tin and that okay on the right on the edge which also i put i like to put just any kind of plastic or maybe vinyl siding that I can under at the very bottom. That's for the dry times because that at the very bottom will hold a little bit more moisture than the metal will. And so I like doing that. And that's exactly where that salamander was. Okay. Wow. So it really paid off.
2: Yeah. So you guys, uh, if you don't mind me saying so, you guys are flipping geniuses. (laughs) (laughs) Well,
1: I think I, I don't, I can't take any credit for that. You know, because I think Armin was a big inspiration for me, you know, when I started uh, really getting into herping, you know. Armin, Armin Meyer, friend yes, of the show. Yes, Ar- Armin Meyer, yeah. He, um, you know, he has his property in Louisiana set up for flipping, you know, canebrake rattlesnakes and speckled uh, king snakes, and, you know, a lot of stuff will pop up there. And, um, you know, when I, I started hanging out with him, you know, he had his whole place set up, you know, and that was really inspiring for me. You know, we just go out and we go flip canebrakes, you know, and then. Uh, I just, I really got into the flip after that. And I think the accumulation of years and years of just, you know, finding places and going and flipping things and seeing which of those things actually worked, you know, which of these held the snake and then thinking about it. And we'd always have these discussions. Well, why did that one work? And we spent all day flipping stuff and why was it under this thing? And through that, you know, natural, Uh, progression of trying to get better and have more success for ourselves, you know, we started slowly accumulate uh, these ideas, you know, to come up with ways that we could, you know, create that success and make it very reliable.
3: And, And that's really half the fun. I mean, finding the animal is great. Yes. But brainstorming and testing your theories out. And then when it finally pays off, it's just it makes it so much more rewarding than just going to a random spot you find or someone gives to you across the country. And you flip something that's great, too but not as good as putting your own work your own thought into it and and finding your own stuff but it really pushes a lot more buttons that way yeah oh yeah
1: yeah, yeah it's a very satisfying experience like Cognito today where we got the you know really nice big milk snake um, you know we had you had found that site and kind of identified it based off of previous places that we'd had good success at cuz it had similar uh, attributes that we liked and uh, you know you set out some tin had some success and then we came out and added more and i'm like this acacia tree looks nice you know let's set it here and now we've been able to get a milk there twice and that experience is it's one of the most satisfying uh finds of a tamalipan milk snake that i've ever had is just knowing i set the tin i picked this spot i set the tin for it and it happened you know i i, I created you build the it they that. will come yeah absolutely
2: <laughs> yeah and and it, you you just don't go out in the middle of a, a pasture and throw down tin you've got yeah. to think about what what's gonna that, that tin needs to attract snakes you need some shade you need some kind of uh environment maybe where it you know it, it might uh, you might get some more moisture in a certain place as opposed to you know out here in the open where the sun will make mm-hmm. it so Obviously, you guys put more thought into that kind of thing, too.
1: Yeah. And we have uh, stuff across a variety of kind of areas, right? You know, stuff closer to water, further away from water, because as you you know saw today, like some, you know, we've had so much rain that some of those places were inundated. You know, one of the stacks that we were trying to flip was underwater. Um, but during the dry time, that would that would be the place. Right. But the drier stuff was what, you know, was doing it for us today. But you know some of the conditions that we've had the past few years, you, you wouldn't find anything under that in those in those times.
2: Well, it's pretty obvious that the milks are your number one target. Well, those yeah. birds are really well. Nice. If you're
1: finding those, you're finding everything else too.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That makes that makes kind of makes sense to me. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. What are they doing to make that noise? It sounds like they're shaking a tambourine or something. <laughs> I, that's my wife's birds. So I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Well, um, this is this has been an interesting discussion, and uh, I mean, maybe you've given some other people some ideas for you know. Uh, think people are thinking about. Well, I, maybe I want to put out a boor- what we call a, a board line or or whatever, a tin spot. Maybe they want to do that. And obviously down here, uh, tin works pretty well. But people can use other materials in other spots. Maybe you guys don't use plywood as much down here. Or yeah, because like we – Well,
3: do you want to talk about that? Yeah. I, I mean, plywood could certainly work. We do find stuff under that too. And we, we throw some of that out. But the, the creating that thermal gradient and that moisture level – really pays off down here. Yeah. And that's yeah. when 10 is, is king. Yeah. yeah. And I think
1: that's, you know, uh, something unique to South Texas and this region is that you really need that, you know, but, you know, you go to the Midwest, uh, somewhere that, you know, throughout the summer, you know, in spring has cooler nights and the days don't get as hot. You know, you have a lot more general moisture around, uh, you know, in those places, yeah, you can set out single sheets of 10, single boards, and, uh, you know, you can have great success with that. Now, still, you know, there's points where they stop working, but that window was already wide to begin with. And you can obviously widen that by stacking it and kind of creating those gradients, but it's not necessary everywhere.
2: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. In, in the Midwest, uh, when we do have stuff, it's usually plywood um, because we, we can't seem to keep ten <laughs> spots because... Those those scrappers, they they're they're pretty up where I live at least. Uh, I used to have like tin spots like around the Snake Road area, mm-hmm. Shawnee National Forest, and I used to have a number of tin spots. And when people would come from out of state, I'd like, okay, we're gonna yeah, we're gonna go to Snake Road, but we're also gonna hit here, 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 and here. And uh, well, one year I was you know come down there to take somebody around, and every single one of my oh tin my sites God. have been cleaned up. All the metal was gone. So I just kind of gave up on metal after that. And I start, you know, painting plywood and using. Not that I'm like a big boardline guy. I don't have a lot, but I have a few pieces. So take plywood and um, old, you know, old house paint, and just put a, a couple coats of paint on it, and it'll, it'll last in the in the uh, in the field. It'll last a few more years that way if you paint it first, you know. Mm-hmm. So that's what we do. A little bit more moisture underneath. Uh, but I like your idea of uh, cl- kind of clearing out the vegetation underneath. I really hadn't done that. That seems like a good
1: idea. Yeah. And, I, and I think it depends, you know, again, on the kind of vegetation that you have and the region that you're in. You know, some some places you throw a piece of plywood down, you know, within a couple of months, the grass is dead, rodents have come through, cleared it out, made tunnels. Uh, but down here, you know, some of that, you know, it's, it's, you know, at the edge of a desert, right? So that vegetation is a little bit, um, you know, more uh, suited for environments that may be a little bit more harsh for it. So it's going to kind of stick around and maybe not, uh, die off and rot away as fast.
2: Okay. Yeah. Um, and you know, that's the other thing like you say, you're on the edge of the, it's hot down here. Most of the year it's not even worth going harping. Does of- <laughs> yeah. that I mean? Am I wrong here? It's, it's, well, actually the best flipping time is August.
1: Okay. Oh, the, the hotter you the better, <laughs> the better. You,
3: you didn't know that
1: august okay yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's what you know people tell me all the time snakes love it hot Yeah. You know? <laughs> oh it's hot right now the snakes are out <laughs> okay
2: okay folks if you want to come down here and uh, see some snakes come down in august <laughs> well, this is my third day down here and i today we walked about nine miles which is okay um, we got lots of cool stuff as a but I, I came down here also to hope, hopefully to find a, the Texas tortoise, which it is not a good time of the year for Texas tortoises. Uh, and uh, I d- did not see one. And I walked many miles trying to find the stinking tortoise. So I'll have to come back down at a better time of the year maybe. Yeah, maybe we'll, get, we'll get yeah. you one, Mike. Don't worry. Yeah. 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 So, it's another excuse to have you down here. Yeah. And then I need to go out to Eric's way and try to sneak on uh, the Turner Ranch and get a pulse on tortoise. <laughs> <laughs> I need to find out who somebody who could get me on that ranch so I could see those. That would be then I could have my entire tortoise collection and I'll I'll be done. Yeah. But anyway, well, listen, I know that you have got to go soon. Uh, You have a long drive home. Yes, I do. And uh, I want to thank you for taking these birds. Uh. (laughs) Wow. Uh, I've had some noises in the background on the show, but I've I've never had so many birds. It's like we're sitting in the middle of a pigeon coop or something. Well, it's just that, what, is that what you call my house. Geez, <laughs> <laughs> actually, I like it. It's just that time of the night when they're really active, you know, before they go to sleep. But, uh, but I thank you for um, for hanging around. And Clint, obviously, I thank you for your hospitality and for also sitting in. And Eric, it's always good to see you and talk yep, with you. And, uh, I have you have never been in my house. And I have never been to your house. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but I see you everywhere. Yeah,
0: yeah, just not <laughs> so either. Yeah, yeah. So one of
2: these days I'll show up in your door and uh, anyway. <laughs> so let me know. <laughs> okay. But thanks again for talking to us, guys. Is there anything else that we should mention before we uh, uh, sign off the broadcast? Though
3: no, just
1: uh, there was one thing that you you wanted me to to say specifically into the microphone earlier. Do you remember what that was?
3: Who.
2: We've said a lot of things. Today, I, I uh, well, some of them are true. Uh, <laughs> I I think it was the bit about making homes. Yeah. Uh, you know, providing hab. Uh, not. It's not just a you know the vicarious thrill. It's also just providing some habitat for these these animals uh, that they use. Yeah. Um, and they welcome, right? So yeah. the, the little mic- moist microhabitat is is a welcome uh, for for indigo snakes or milk snakes or whatever whatever it is that tiger salamander that we found under there yeah today,
1: and, so. and my I guess my big takeaway that I would want to maybe inspire people with or whatever is to to do that more themselves you know go set these out because the animals will do nothing but benefit from it uh, and it gives you you know access to a window into their lives and get to see them experience them for a little bit and uh, kind of helps you build that connection with them you know because I uh, you know it's one thing to go out and see a rat snake under some random roadside board but then when it's in the stack of 10 that I set out, suddenly it feels a lot more special. You know, you might've seen a lot of them, but now this is one that uses the home that I made for it. Yes. And I think it's just such a satisfying experience. And I think uh, a lot of people, if they get to to do that and provide that for animals, they uh, develop a deeper connection, a lot greater appreciation for them.
2: Yeah. And that, that came through for me today because it was like, yeah. and I've been, I, come on, I've been doing this for a long time, but. At the same time, you guys put in front of my face some things I hadn't really thought about. It's like how much time and thought go into this, and what the benefits are, to, you know, to the animals and that sort. Of. And you know, there's some great. You guys, you guys are so fortunate to have some fantastic herpetofauna, mm-hmm. and you guys appreciate it too. It's, I think mean, that's great too. You're not, uh, guys. Everybody got just as excited about uh, a tiger salamander mm-hmm. as they did. Uh, uh, a Ruthven's what milk, uh, with snake or a milk snake or what are indigo. So indigo or go, 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 go. Okay. Uh, well, thanks. I guess we should do a shout out to, uh, John, Isaac, and Brayden who came with us. And thanks. And a shout out to those guys, uh, are uh, coming out in the field. Oh, and one more Tim Mateo yeah. was out with us yeah. too. So, uh, so four guys out with the field in the field with us. And, uh, they're not here. They're not here to enjoy this, such delicious, uh, Uh, dinner from uh, La Hacienda, which was uh, on point. So uh, the food down here is amazing. So thanks for that. So anyway, thanks guys. Appreciate you coming on the show and uh, we'll talk to you again sometime.
0: Thanks, Mike. Thank
2: you. Thank you for having us. Hey there, it's me again. I hope you enjoyed the episode and I want to thank Eric and Kyle and Clint for giving me their time. I really had a lot of fun recording this one. Uh, Be sure to check out Kyle and Clint's respective YouTube channels. Uh, Kyle's channel is called Pop Milk, and Clint's is called Much Ado About Herping. Uh, Love those names, and uh, what these gentlemen present on their video channels is really the essence of what we talked about on this episode. So I'm getting ready to head down to Peru again in a few days, so I won't be out of the studio for just a few weeks, uh, but there should be a new episode out before the end of January. Thanks for listening, everyone. That's it for episode 92. Thanks once again to Eric, Kyle, and Clint for talking with me. Much appreciated, guys. And uh, thanks once again to everyone out there who supports the show. And as always, I want to say thanks to all of the So Much Pingle patrons who keep the show rolling on the, into the future. And if you would like to kick in a few bucks to help out, it's easy to do. And it costs about as much as a cup of delicious coffee. Just go to patreon.com so much And so much pingle is all one word. You can also make one time contributions via PayPal or Venmo. Just drop me an email to so muchpingle at gmail.com for more details. And don't forget that you can find all of the recorded episodes and show notes at muchpingle.com. And you can also join the So Much Pingle Facebook group to follow the show and interact with me and some of my guests. Now, I say that every time, but I do like hearing from folks. I like to hear your thoughts and opinions, your guest suggestions, whatever it is you got. You can email me at somuchpingle at gmail.com. And so pingle is all one word. Please note that I am also on Instagram, Mastodon, and Blue Sky now, all under the So Much Pingle handle. And until we meet again, please take good care of yourselves and don't forget to hurt better.